This is the Langpreneur podcast where each week we interview experts in the language learning industry who will show you how to turn your passion for languages into a profitable online business so that you can create an independent career doing something you love. I'm your host, Jan van der Aan. Hey everybody, my name is Jan and thanks for listening to the Langpreneur podcast. Today we're going to do our very first podcast interview with no one less than Oli Richards. Oli is a man behind the popular language learning website I Will Teach You a Language. What started as a blog and outlet for his creativity and passion for languages has now become a highly profitable business that employs a big team. Oli's courses are some of the most popular in the industry and now you can find his books in bookstores all over the world. In today's interview, Oli is going to share the lessons learned on his journey building his business and he will show you what's possible if you're, if you're building a language business or if, you, or if you want to build one in the future. Are you ready for this masterclass with Oli? Then let's get started right now. Oli, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jan. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're the first guest on the Langpreneur podcast. How does that feel? It feels like a, a true, a true honor. Great. And a day that I will remember for many years to come. Well, today we're going to talk about your journey as, a, as an online entrepreneur, online language entrepreneur. You've built I Will Teach You a Language. But six years ago, what were you doing six years ago? What were you doing before this whole journey started? I was, yeah, good question. So I was uh, living in Qatar, mm-hmm. or Qatar as it should be pronounced, but we don't, we put the stress on the wrong part of the word, in the, in the Middle East, which is a tiny little Gulf country next to Saudi Arabia. And I was working for the British Council mm. as a uh, as a manager in the language education programs there. So I was kind of, yeah, I had this career with the British Council. I was moving from country to country and I was... Yeah, just in this random part of the world, just yeah. kind of living living life. And how was life? I mean, why did you why did you decide to start this this blog back in the day? Like, do you just yeah, so have I, too much time in the evenings, or you wanted to do something with languages? I mean, you were working as a teacher. Why did you start that blog? Yeah, well, so I've. Thing is, I've always been super creative, right? So I used to do, I did music for most of my life. I did music at university. I I was like a, a jazz jazz musician in my twenties. Like I've always been super creative, and this was the first time in my life when I when the the thing that I was doing every day, you know, my job had the creativity just sucked out of it. So I was, you know, I was um I was an academic manager, and so most of my day now was spent at work, like sending email managing teachers and things like that and it was the most uncreative thing you can imagine I mean there were bits of creativity but essentially it was just a, a regular office job you know mm-hmm. and the way that I look back on this now and there might be a bit of narrative fallacy to this I don't know but I, I think that I was really kind of desperate for some kind of creative outlet I needed to do something creative I couldn't play music there in in Qatar because there's nothing not, it's, it's not exactly known as a musical hub you know the um in the Gulf, uh, for for jazz music anyway, and um, and so I I, th- I think that I was searching for a creative outlet, and I didn't know really what to do, but I've, I've always quite enjoyed writing, 
and uh, and languages have always been my my passion. So I, I just decided to start blogging about languages, and that that was what I did. And uh, I think uh, the, the 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 key thing I, th- I think was that around that time in 2013, which is when I started, we were just beginning to see sort of more kind of popularly available um, material, literature, blogs, books, things mm-hmm. like that, on the topic of blogging and how you can make an independent living as a as a blogger, you know, what, the kind of economy and, and, and business behind a blog. Mm-hmm. So for the first time, I was able to actually understand what like how one can build a business around a blog and i think that like not understanding that gave me mm. something to aim for okay which is crucially important because i think for many people who start a blog it's just a bit of fun exactly and it was a bit of fun for me but the fact that i could see how this could potentially maybe possibly yeah. in the future develop into something else it gave me something to kind of focus on and, and channel my my energy so you knew that it was possible to turn this blog into a business when you started the blog Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I so I just read this book called The One Hundred Dollar Startup by Chris mm-hmm. Gillibo, and in that book he talks about Benny Lewis yeah. from Fluent in Three Months, and he uses Benny as a case study for um, someone who's just blogging about um, uh, about their passion, about their mm-hmm. hobbies, basically, and how Benny was you know making full time living, traveling the world. It sounded amazing. I, I knew absolutely nothing about it other than that it was possible to do it. Many people who are listening to the podcast now, they might be thinking, I also want to start my own business, but I can't do it because I'm busy. I have to go to work every day. I think you were in the exact same situation six years ago, right? So how did you find the time to work on your blog? So I set myself a goal, which was that I'm going to publish one blog post a week. Um, And I stuck to it for a couple of years. Some of those posts at the beginning might have taken me an hour to write, two hours maybe. When I started getting a bit of traction and I started taking the work more seriously, I would take a long time over over blog posts. But my main aim was to just publish one blog post a week because that was like I, I knew from all the kind of reading and listening I was doing that consistency was the most important thing so whether you start a podcast or a youtube channel or a blog it's all about the consistency because the only way you can build an audience is if they have something to come back to you for every week yeah so i just set myself this target of one one blog post a week and you know some weeks i was kind of busy it didn't feel like it but i got it done anyway because um you know i think when you're starting something new you've got to be prepared to put some effort in yeah you know the, the, you, you kind of the I know I sometimes, if someone's coming at this new thinking, I literally have no time to devote to this. Well, you know, sorry, you're not going to be able to start a business if you're not prepared to put any time in. Yeah. You've got, there's a certain reality here where you have to be able to, to carve out the time every week and you've got to be able to stick to it. So do you see like traction from the beginning? Do you see no. that, that it was growing or you were just publishing these posts every, every week and, and nothing was happening? I mean, how long did it take for you to realize that what you were doing was actually working. Oh, it took ages. I mean, you know, my my first, uh, certainly for the first three months or so, I remember one day I got super excited because I had like 97 hits on my website in one day. And um, 
I was sitting there refreshing my browser because I wanted to get it up to 100 because that would have been the first day that I had 100, 100 hits on my website in one day. And um, 100 hits a day, I mean, you know, it's not very, it's not very much. But that was after like two or three months of doing this. So I, I, I started to see little bits of traction. You know, at the beginning, it was like five, one person a day, two, some, some days, no, nobody, literally. Yeah. But I think, you know, I, I, I was really, I listened to a lot of podcasts about blogging and mm. about uh, online business. And I, I did notice that certain things started to come up over and over again. And so things like consistency that I mentioned before was one of those things along with the idea that, look, at the beginning, no one's going to listen to you. No one's going to find you. And that's t- totally normal. So I, you know, I think you, you, you need to have a vision of what it's going to look like in order to keep you going. Because if all you did, you know, if you didn't know what to expect, then it would be natural for most people to sort of sit there and blog for a few months, think to themselves that no one's finding this. What's the point? Give up and then... So, so you need something that gives you the trust or gives you the confidence that you can actually do it and that shows you like what the real business could look like and you did that by listening to podcasts can, can you name a few of the podcasts that really help you help you i mean they're not around them? anymore okay. i mean the you know these these there are i mean these days there are so many there are so many of them um that you know the, the, the landscape has changed a lot but but you know you can find there's there's so many like you know start your own business podcasts out there now that you know you just i, I would say just find someone that you that you resonate with but I definitely, you know, what you just said about being able to see the landscape, I, this is important because when I think about the people I know who who have been successful, uh, sometimes quite quickly, they've always got some network around them which, um, which sort of sh- shows them the way, so to speak. So, you know, our friend Benny from Fluent in Three Months, you know, he was very much plugged into the community of bloggers at the time when he started, yeah. which was a long time ago. I think he got started in like 2007 or 8 or something like that uh, and he had a network of bloggers around him um, Lydia Makova who had you're going to be yeah. talking to on the podcast here um, had a business coach from the beginning who would just basically tell her what to do mm-hmm. um, our friend Idausa Ness from, from Mimic Method you know he was part of the Dynamite Circle um, who which is a network of entrepreneurs so there's a you know an a extremely clear correlation between people who have a, a support network um, or, or a kind of uh, a mentor or something around them who can show them what to do. I didn't have that, but I got that education from free content, blogs, podcasts, and things like that. But I was, you know, I, I consumed a lot. I would go to the gym every day and just listen to business podcasts in the gym as I was driving to work. Um, you know, I, I really became a, a student of that stuff and, and, and again, when you you know when you learn that much, when you when you consume that much content, and you start to hear the same the same commonalities come up from people over and over again, then you just take it seriously. You know things like consistency, keep going, uh, start an email list. Um, you know all the all these kind of fundamental things. Uh, you know that that's, that yeah, it just shows you the way. So that's how you started, like one blog post per week, and you did that for for how long? A year? Two years? I mean, I was still publishing blog posts fairly regularly myself up till for the for the first two or three years. Uh, it became slightly less consistent over, after that, and um, 
But yeah, certainly for the first couple of years, if you were like people who followed my blog would have seen a new blog post every week, and that was how I built the traction, I think. Yeah. So when um, did you realize that it was time to actually turn it into a business, right? A blog is a blog, you're not generating yep. any, any income. Um, what was the point where you said, okay, I have to sell something, I have this mon- to monetize this thing? And what was the I mean, first thing that you So did? the thing is that I because I was work, I had a you know, perfectly good job uh, and I you know I actually moved country as well in the in the first year of or after about a year I moved from Qatar to Egypt and uh you know I had a career to be thinking about and worrying about so I wasn't in any rush to I didn't need to make money from it and in many ways that was good because it takes time right so the fact that I didn't need to make money was helpful because I I I was able to kind of focus on the audience building rather than, you know, rushing to monetize. But by the same token, I'm 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 always like a I'm a big fan of making progress and feeling like you're growing. Like I need to feel like I'm gro- whatever I'm doing, I can't be standing still. I have to be growing and moving forward. So after about a year, I I said to myself, right, well, look, I've got a bit of traction here. I've got an audience. The next step is to try to monetize in some way. Um, not because I need to do it, but because I understand that to build a business, you've got to be making money somehow, and so I, uh, I, I just started to look into that, and um, so it was about a year in, a year and a bit in, uh, when I decided to, um, to try to, to try releasing a, a product. I mean, I already had kind of people who would email me a lot and comment on blog posts and ask me for advice and tips on, on language learning and and stuff like that. So I knew that there was a there was a demand there so it was a fairly easy and obvious next step really was to kind of create the the product that people were most asking about yeah so the only thing that you've been doing before that was writing blog posts and collecting email addresses i guess did you already uh, mailing list? yeah but I, I did other things as well so i i did a lot of guest posting okay and this was one of the things which uh, at the time was a kind of core strategy in in blogging it's getting getting featured on other people's blogs and that's something that really helped me grow quickly so I would write a guest post for Fluent in three months for example yeah and then Benny would um, send an email about that that post and I'd have hundreds of people coming to my website um, in you know that, that same day and then because I was I was educating myself I was collecting emails which means I would capture the emails from those people and then I would go and blog go off and blog on other other where other 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 blogs do other guest posts and kind of keep doing that that was what that was working really well for me at the time so i just kept i kept doing it and um i was building my email list that way and i was also making youtube videos because for i mean i've never been particularly big on youtube but for languages it's kind of you know if i say to you that i speak cantonese why should you believe me either way right Unless I actually record a video of myself speaking Cantonese, at which point you think you think to yourself, "Oh, okay, yeah, he does." Yeah. So yeah. YouTube is a was a really good complement to uh, to 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 the blogging. It's also a good way to to gain extra trust, right? People see you, yeah, they can recognize exa- exactly. Yeah. And a lot of people would would discover me through YouTube as well. I found over time, but like, I've never managed to really grow my YouTube channel that much, mostly because I just haven't focused on it. I prefer to spend the time blogging rather than making videos because making videos takes a long time to do it well. Uh, but I've all, but by the same token, I've always it's always been fairly easy to kind of record a quick video of me speaking Italian or something, stick it on YouTube, mm-hmm. 
I don't think about it that much. But for the people who are interested, they can find it and it helps to deepen that relationship. Yeah. What was your first product? So my first product was something called Speaking Bootcamp, and it's a product that I don't sell anymore. And uh, it is, it was to help people uh, start speaking their their target language with uh, with confidence. So I was aiming at people who had uh, you know been learning for a while but never really got comfortable speaking. And it was a five week program where I would kind of take people through the preparatory steps of um, of like you know psychology, understanding why they're scared of speaking, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, how to find um, people to practice with, how to plan your first sessions, strategies for learning vocabulary, what to do from uh, what to do with those sessions. Very much a kind of practical, hands-on, here's how to start speaking course. Mm-hmm. How did it feel when you made your first sale? Well, the first sale I ever made actually was something else. I, I mean, I, I'd sold um, some affiliate products before that. So one of the first things that I... I think the first time I made any money actually was the first time I remember actually knowing that I'd made money was when I made an affiliate sale for for John Fotheringham's uh, master Japanese product, um, which he still sells and it's really great. Uh, And um, because I was, I think I'd blogged quite a bit about Japanese because I'd been living in Japan at the time and I loved Japan and, and all of that. And so one of the things I would do in my blog posts about Japanese was uh, send people to John's Master Japanese course because um, it was really, really great. And that was an affiliate link. And so I'd make a commission. And and I remember the first time I received an email saying, hey, you've just made $20 commission or something like that. I remember right then I looked at that email and I thought, right, this right here is proof that this can work. Because, yeah, okay, it's only $20, but... In theory, if I can get ten times as much traffic as I've got now to my website, that two, that twenty dollars should turn into two hundred, and that that should then turn into two thousand, and then you know, and so on. So um, that that was a very clear moment for me when I remember um, when I saw um, I, I had proof that it can work, and from that point onwards, it was just a question of growth and you know more more traffic. Um, but yeah, and, and then later on, so I sold my first um, speaking boot camp. I sold, it wasn't many, it was like 10, 12, 15, I can't remember exactly how many, but a, but small numbers, you know, say 15 or so places on the speaking boot camp course. And uh, I mean, I, to be honest, I did have some faith that it would work because it, it's all very logical, you know. If you build an audience, they tell you what they want, and then you make a product based on what you've been told you want by your fans. It, you know, it's very obvious, really, that, that it should work. But still, you know, you have all these feelings of, like, being I mean, imposter syndrome, as it's known. So, like, thinking, that, you know, who am I to charge people money for stuff? I'm just a, I'm just a guy. Like, why should anyone give me money? Uh, and so, you know, then, but then people do, and and you, and then you deliver the course, and, and you, you know, you give great value, and, um, and, it, and it was... Um, yeah, it was really hard work making that first course, but it was yeah obviously a great feeling and um, and uh, and again more proof that this can grow into something something bigger. So we're now in I think 2014. You were live you moved from Qatar to Egypt. I actually I visited you stayed for you, stayed for a week in your apartment there you in did. Cairo. 
Um, I still remember that at the at the time you were selling an ebook for seven dollars, so you had some revenue coming in, but it was not enough to live off, right? You were still working at the British Council in uh, in Cairo, um, and then you decided that you wanted to go back to the UK. But if you wanted to do that, you had to quit your job in uh, at the British Council, right? So, how did you bring your business? Um, when was the first time that you got to that point where you could actually quit your job? And yeah, so I mean, so basically, after I made my my first course, that was the time when I really started experimenting with lots of different models for 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 revenue, and so I tried lots of different things. Um, I mean, that that first course that I made was actually a live course. I delivered it live, and um, I think one of the things that a lot of people experience when they make their first course and they sell it, it's a great. It's, it's really exciting you get this big uh, adrenaline rush from that but then you realize when it's done you're like man okay now I'm back to square one again and like I I can't just launch this again because I've, I've just sent it to my whole list so what do I do so I started to look into ways to, to to create something a bit more reliable a bit more automated so that so that I could um, actually make more make money regularly and reliably rather than you know relying on kind of one-off product launches and stuff so I tried lots of different things I made it I fairly shortly afterwards made another course which was just basically about how to learn a language which kind of became a course that I sold openly on the, on the website I, I tried to I mean I, I took courses from other other people learning about online business and I tried some different models so I made some cheap ebooks on specific topics I then started writing books as well uh, kindle books and uh, so i was really you know experimenting with lots and lots of different things and this was all before you went full-time you were all doing this in oh yeah all of this was um all of this was while i was working at the british council yeah um and yeah, but one thing at a time you know so i made my course my language learning foundations course and then you know sold that and then i went on to make a couple of, make make a couple of ebooks which you know, a lot of the, a lot of this is easier than you think. You know, if you've if you've already got lots of blog posts, you can kind of use your blog posts as a base to create a, an ebook, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know, I would do kind of one thing at a time, and I'd try one thing and then try the next thing. And then I think because I was experimenting a lot, I just started to get an understanding of what would work. You know, because if you try ten things, mm-hmm. you only need one of those things to work. You know, and and then. So that was pretty much what I was doing. I was noticing which things were working and doing more of those things. And um, and then I, yeah, so by the time I, I decided to go back to the UK and quit my my job, it was, it was, it was, it was touch and go, really. I mean, I was, I think I was already by that point making as much money as I was from my salary. But the trouble is that, you know, a salary is something you know you're going to get every month, right? But, yeah. but, but with online stuff before you really know what you're doing everything's very up and down yeah so you know there would be times when people would come in and and i'd make hundreds of dollars in in a day from a bunch of people who just decided for whatever reason to come and buy my courses on that day and that felt great but then nothing for a week Mm -hmm. so it was really stressful because um because you know the one thing you need in order to quit your job is some kind of predictability you know you need to know that um, that you need to know that you um, that you're going to have enough money every month, and uh, and so 
it was um, a bit of a gamble, really. But I think my psychology at the time was that, look, I've managed to do all of this evenings and weekends while I've had my full-time job. If I quit and I spend all day every day on this, I should logically be able to grow it more. And that seemed like a fairly safe bet. Were you still listening to the podcast or did you have like a mentor or did you have people you learned from? You learned how to launch products, how to create them. You learned all these things. What was what was the source? Where did you learn all these things from? Yeah, lots and lots of different... I mean, I, I, I still now listen to a lot of podcasts. Podcasts have been one of my main sources of information. But that's mostly because that's my, my style of learning. I like to learn through audio. So... I listen to a lot of podcasts and learn a lot of stuff through there. I would also invest a lot in, in courses and training. So, for example, if I wanted to learn how to, um, if I wanted to learn how to uh, create uh, automatic, uh, a more kind of a, how can I put this? If I want to learn how to make sales automatically through the through the website, uh, rather than just on a big kind of product launch mm. then I would take a course that would sort of teach how to do that so I was you know I was pretty intentional about it and um, there's no there's no way I could have done any of this without investing in in in, in, in learning either mm-hmm. through lots of listening to podcasts and reading blogs or th- through or and and also really investing in in, in courses that, that show you how to do stuff um, I think Almost everything I've learned about how to actually generate revenue has come from investing in in, in, in products and, 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 and courses. I quite often get the question, people come to me and they ask me, Jan, this, this blogging thing, this YouTube thing, having a language blog or a podcast, is it really possible to turn this into a full-time income or is this just a hobby thing? Like, well, you just said you went from... Uh, from part-time to full-time back in 2014, 2015 maybe. What would you say if someone asks you, is it possible, or Oli, are you doing this full-time now? Are you really making money with this? Is it really possible to make money online with, with languages? What What's possible? Well, I, I think the only reason that someone would, would say something like that is because they simply don't know the community of people out there who are doing this. Because for people like you and I who... who um, who spend time in this world of um, of, uh, of, um, of uh, online business and business builders and stuff. I mean, there are so many people out there making a very, very good full-time living from this kind of thing. Uh, it's it's just it's plain to see. But I think for people who are just getting started, you don't know that, right? You don't know who these people are and um, and whether there are people out there doing this stuff or not. So, um, I mean, I can tell you that there are. That it's easier now than ever. Mm-hmm. Certain things are easier, certain things are harder, but but I mean, and this will all it will always change. Yeah. You know, people people are making money in different ways now. They're building their audiences in different ways, but the principles are still the same. And the way that 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 we make money these days is essentially the dynamics are exactly the same as they always were, mm-hmm. which is essentially you know you you create helpful content for people, help them for free, you then collect their, you stay in touch via email. And then you release um, you release products and services which you then sell over email. That's basically it. I mean, there's lots of, there's lots of other fancy stuff, um, smoke and mirrors, but essentially that's that's the business model. You you generate an audience f- um, through any number of ways, mm-hmm. 
Um, in my case, it's through through blogging, mm-hmm. mostly. Uh, you help people, you stay in touch, and then you offer them products uh, over over email. I mean, that's that hasn't changed. So, for someone starting today, like, I think the problem is there's so much nonsense out there. Like, there's so many. You know, if you go onto Instagram or YouTube, there's so many people telling you all these different things you can do. It can be very confusing to know like, how to get started. I think if, if I were getting started today, I, I'd be pretty, you know, I'd be inundated with all these different options and pretty probably quite confused by it. You know, should I, should I start a YouTube channel or is it Instagram or what, what's this TikTok thing that everyone's talking about now? And I think like there's so many ways to do it. There's so many ways to, you know, there are people making millions on Instagram. Yeah. Um, and millions on YouTube and millions on, but you know, you you only have to do one thing, and and you only have to do the thing that's right for you. I mean, like in my case, blogging is the thing that works for me. I don't really pay any attention to to YouTube or Instagram or Twitter or anything like that. I, I just, you know, it's it's all about the my website. And so I think the main thing I would say to people is try not to get distracted by all of the noise out there. Find one person who you like to learn from and if I'm one person uh, who who resonates with you who you think okay this person sounds like they know what they're doing sounds like a, a good person to learn from and then just go deep on that one person like learn everything listen to all their podcasts like buy all their products study everything they've got because usually if you just follow one path deeply you will it will work for you so much of the, of the key to this stuff is about not getting distracted by uh, by all these all these all these all these people popping up in your YouTube ads and trying to sell you on the latest opportunity you know so I go go very deep on uh, one go very deep on one particular person and that way you'll kind of um, that's how you'll learn to um, how to do this to do this stuff well yeah could you, could you give us a few of the names of the people that you have learned from either podcast or in person books that you have read like helpful resources for people who are just starting out or maybe also for the people who already have an existing online language business yeah i mean but like i said before i mean these the people who i was learning from back in 2013 14 uh, i mean are probably not where it's at today i mean i'm you know because there's lots of people now teaching beginners so I learned a lot from uh, there is a, a a company called Fizzle, who are still going. Actually, they have a podcast and a, and a membership site. I just I just listened to their podcast. It was it was really great. Uh, I learned from um, Jason Van Orden from Internet Business Mastery. Jeff Walker, I studied when I was launching my first products. Um, Russell Brunson and. Um, there was a guy, a bunch of podcasts back in the day, like um, Rise to the Top from David Seitman Garland, Garland, I think, um, Entrepreneur's Journey by Yarrow Starrick, an Australian guy. I think most of these guys aren't, are not particularly active anymore. Some some of them are, but a lot of them aren't. Uh, and I, I just listen very, very intensively to to all, all all their stuff. But, you know, a lot of these guys, they would release like one new podcast a week, right? So basically every week I'd listen to their new podcast. And like I say, you just start to spot, spot, spot trends. Okay, so in 2000, still in 2014, uh, I think up until then, you had only been learning from like by yourself, buying courses, podcasts. But then I think it was in 2015, you decided to participate in your first uh 
inner circle, as it's called, the first mastermind. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so I, um, at that point, I was you know, two or three years in, maybe actually two years in, it wasn't that, wasn't that, that far, and I was just, um, I'd, I'd found by that point that every time I'd invested in a, a course or a training of some kind, it had been very successful for me. You know, I've, I, in fact, I've never bought a, a course or a training that hasn't significantly impacted on my, on my, on my business. Uh, so I'm a, a huge believer in, in investing in, in training from good people. Mm-hmm. And so I was just looking at, at opportunities, and um, I was at the time. I think what I was thinking was, okay, I've taken a lot of these courses, which are kind of these programs, which are designed for. Uh, which are kind of, you know they're all kind of pre-recorded programs which have the knowledge and you kind of go through the videos and you take the knowledge. I wanted to have something a bit more personalised, and I started to feel the need to have um, personal feedback and personal advice from from people. So I was just uh, I was looking around at options and I decided to join um, the the mastermind group run by a, an American uh, marketer called Russell Brunson, and it was a. Uh, a, a mastermind program. So we, I'd fly over to the US a few times over the course of a year uh, to participate in a kind of roundtable mastermind event. We had a very, very high quality Facebook group, and um, and it was, it was, it was, it was, it was amazing because it was the it was the first time that I'd been in a community of very high powered, successful people. You know, people doing multiple millions a year. In revenue, and um, so I just got to kind of study those people and see how they thought, how they acted, um, you know, the kind of questions that they would ask. What is what? Are, what? What does their mind? Where does their mind go when when presented with a particular problem? Um, their work ethic, their attitudes to to do you know all, all these different things. So that was a real eye opener for me because um, it just it really laid the ground work mentally for me I think to grow into the next stage of 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 business um because before that up to that point I was still very much in a kind of uh, fairly small blogger mentality uh which is great but it has a ceiling right and I wanted to break through that I wanted to keep moving forward learn new things so that mastermind was a real uh, a real wake up call yeah well this mastermind was a big investment do you mind sharing how much you how much they charge you. And I'm not asking you because I want you to brag, but I wanted people to, to know how serious you were about this whole thing four years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the amount, the, the cost of the mastermind was more than my annual salary at the time from my, from my job at the British Council. So, you know, it's a significant amount. <laughs> was it worth it? Did, did it pay off in the end? Oh, yeah, for sure. It was kind of scary at the time because... I couldn't really afford it, but I had, you know, I, I, I what I did was I, I basically took all of the money that I'd made from the courses that I'd sold up until that point. And the, thing, the thing is, because I had a job, I didn't need to, I didn't, like I said before, I didn't need need the extra money, and so all this extra, all this money that came in from my first courses and things like that, I just kept it basically. And so when it came time to to join this mastermind, um, my calculation was was more along the lines of. Um, okay, if I want to do this, then all I need to do, I've got this chunk of uh, of money sort of sitting in the bank or in my PayPal account. All I need to do actually is make the decision to invest this money 
or not. If in the worst case scenario, if I lose it all, I'm no worse off, right? Okay, I, that because it's not like I have to. It's not like I'll go bankrupt because I have to pay out of my own pocket every month. I've got this money here, so it's like I'm just making an investment with money I have available. So, worst case scenario would be that um, I lose that money, but that, I just found that so unlikely that it didn't seem the the the, the risk seemed seemed like a very um, reasonable one because, especially because like I said before like I'd never been involved in a program where I hadn't learnt a huge amount of money a huge amount of stuff and made quite a lot of money so it just it seemed like a very very it was a calculated risk but it seemed like one that was worth taking mm-hmm. can you tell me a little bit more about what I will teach you a language looks like these days is, is it still Oli Richards publishing one blog post per week um, I know it's more than that. You like last year or two years ago, you launched like this whole book series with Teach Yourself, which was a big thing. What does your business look like these days? Yeah, good question. So it, it's changed. I mean, at the heart, we're still basically a blog. So if you go to the website now, we still publish blog posts every week. Um, but we have a, a a team of people working on different different things. So. Um, in terms of what the business looks like, we have the kind of public-facing website, which has lots and lots of content. So one essential um, part of the business is um, is the is producing um, content. So we put out regular content. Um, then uh, we have a lot, of, a lot of digital courses. So I have courses to learn languages at different levels. As a beginner, as an intermediate learner, and uh, my particular um, USP, unique selling proposition, is I, I teach through stories. So all of my stuff is story based. So we have the content, we have courses, we have. Um, I've also got um, published books. So I've got a lot of self-published books, and then a couple of years ago, I, I partnered with Teach Yourself, who are a big traditional language publisher. And they, we kind of worked together on revamping my my series of short stories, which are now kind of published in. Uh, just yesterday, I was talking to Benny Lewis, and he was telling me that he's he's every single bookshop in the U.S. that he's ever been to, he's seen he's seen uh, our books in there, which is which is really really nice to hear. So we have the book publishing traditionally with through Teach Yourself. We also have an expanding self-published um, series of books. So I've we actually recently hired a, an editor. Who now works full time on producing new new language books? Uh, we have then a team of about six or seven people who work in different areas of the business, producing courses, uh, running online summits, um, and uh, putting helping to produce um, content for the blog, uh, working on customer support, um, and uh, and then uh, we do some Facebook advertising as well. So we have yeah about seven or eight people who um, who 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 work uh, regularly on on the website. Half of them are full time, and um, and and half of them are are are, um, are are kind of you know they work on a more freelance basis. Yeah, what would you say is like the number one um, like the most valuable thing that you got out of this? this whole journey building this business is it the freedom is it the money is it working with languages what what's the most what has been the most rewarding thing for you so far yeah that's a really difficult question because it changes a lot for me 
it changes re- regularly, actually. I mean, right at the beginning when I first started, I just loved the creativity. I loved the creativity of, of being able to blog about languages. Um, and then th- that then obviously the very kind of real uh, issue of actually, you know, being able to make a living that then came onto the table a bit later. And so like my, when I first started being able, being able to make a, a full-time living from this, that was obviously huge as the business has grown and, um, you know, money has become less of a, of an issue. Um, you know, obviously it's been, it's been very, it's been, it's been great to, to be able to kind of live comfortably from, from the work that I do here. But again, like that, is something which passes as well, you know. You know, I, I work really, really, really hard on on, on the business, and re- most recently, I think the thing that I've been really enjoying is just to have a, something that is my own that I can work on growing. And I, I spend a lot of time now studying um, studying leadership, for example, because I have a fairly big team of people, and what we're achieving as a as a as a company is is down to the fantastic team that I have and all the work that they do. Uh, I mean, everything that that so much of what what people see and what the customers, what our customers get from, are down to the work that's done by Chris and James and, and Madeline and Cara and Sarah and Dave, um, and and so for me, like the, the challenge I'm currently facing is learning how to be a CEO, like how to how to run a business, how to get the best out of my team and that's a hugely um rewarding and new 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 experience and it's, and it's very difficult as well so I'm, I'm i'm reading a lot of books on on that and um you still work with with coaches yeah i have so i have a business coach and a lot of the thing a lot of the stuff that we that that we spend time on there is is figuring out you know okay well what what are our what are our goals and how do we get how do we reach those goals through by 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 empowering the team to to do that and so you know he's he's kind of he's pushed me a lot in 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 the in the direction of um of recruitment and hiring and because it's quite scary to hire people full time you know and um to invest in in very expensive consultants for specific projects like it is it's it's scary when you're you know, because there's part of me that still that still would walk into a cafe in London and 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 you know if, if a cappuccino costs more than I think it should, I won't buy. I'll go somewhere else just out of yeah, principle. Know, and that, that and that's a question of like you know if someone tries to charge me three pounds seventy five for a flat white, I'll 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 tell them to f off and and, and go somewhere else because it's just a, on principle, right? So even though that's only a question of like fifty p, and that I mean I there's a big part of me that still thinks in those terms, right? And um, and yet, on the other on the other on the other end of the spectrum, you know, I fairly regularly invest tens of thousands of pounds in 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 consultants or or people to work on specific parts of the, of the business, and like that psychologically is 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 quite hard. But I've been the great thing about being about having a coach has been has been being pushed to really think more strategically and saying, okay, well, next year we want to get this result. Uh, in the business, that's what we want to do. And so, what what is realistically required to invest in order to get there? Like, who do we have to have on the team? Who do we have to hire? 
So I, you know, he's really pushing me in the direction of making strategic investments in building the in building the the business, which is which is you know it, it's something that you never have to you don't usually have to do you know investing in growth is not something you have to do you can quite easily coast coast along and stay where you are if, exactly if if you want you could just say okay the business is running i'm comfortable and uh, i stop here i just live my life i go on a holiday a few times a year i do what i do life is good nothing to complain but you want to you want to keep going and the only way to do that is by paying someone hiring a coach surrounding yourself with people who who push you to the next level or yeah, I mean that—that's what—that's certainly been my my experience. But by the same token, you know, recently, in the last few months, one of the things that I've I've most appreciated from from uh, from from, from um, the situation I find myself in is actually having the time. So you know, recently I've just been taking a lot of time off and just spending that time uh, learning languages again. I've been doing a lot of Japanese, taking Japanese lessons, reading in Japanese, and, and I'm, I'm able to do that. I'm able to spend the morning just reading stuff in Japanese and um, and then going for lunch and, and just taking whole, whole days off at a time. I, like, I've really been enjoying that freedom recently. Um, and I'm not, I'm not normally like that. Normally I'm working pretty flat out, but sometimes I do get to the point where I kind of think to myself, okay, I need to, I need to slow down a bit because I, I do have a tendency to burn out. So, um, you know, recently I've been really enjoying the freedom that 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 I've got to just take a, take a step back and do things for for me. So so yeah, the, like the, the, I think what I get from the from from the business does change over time. But I think at the heart, it's not really about the it's not really about the 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 money or the lifestyle or anything like that. It's mostly about being able to own something that's mine and really invest my 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 brain capacity i guess into something meaningful and to challenge myself to grow it like that's that's what that's what keeps me going that's what that's what excites me is that it's the challenge and the opportunity mm-hmm. i will teach you a language has grown well it's a very successful business these days revenue wise but it's also um quite popular quite popular name in the industry now i would say do you have what do you think are like the three most important ingredients for someone who's listening to this and things and and things i want to do something similar what would you say are the most important ingredients that determines someone's success in this industry i mean the, the industry is very big right and there's lots of different things you can do so if you if you want to make an app you've got a different set of challenges than if you want to create a blog or if you want to be an online teacher so let's say for for language bloggers or youtubers like online language uh, the langpreneurs the, the langpreneurs yeah i mean the, the basics haven't changed i, I think like the, fu- the fundamentals haven't changed in the whole time that i've been th- that i've been doing this and um and i don't think they will to be honest because i think what what we're, where we are at in terms of the in terms of in terms of the um, the 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 kind of on the landscape of online businesses that we are in um the kind of era of the of of the solopreneur if you like you can kind of you're in, you're in an area an era where you can build your own personal brand and that becomes the business so whatever you decide to do around that um that's that's you you know so for example my main thing is is teaching languages right but i also sell books and i also 
um, you know, teach people how to how to make a make a living online through their languages. I do lots of peripheral things, but it all centers around the kind of Ollie Richards brand, as it as it were. And so I think it's really important for people to understand that you don't have to build your own personal brand, but I think it really helps because when you've got thousands of competing websites and businesses out there, people out there, you know, who who are they going to pay attention to? People pay attention to me, I think, because they know my face, they know my name, and it's the same thing with Benny Lewis. You know, the fantastically popular, successful. People don't know Fluent in three months as much as they know him and his 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 identity and his and his personal brand. So, so I think like, that like on a sorry sorry to interrupt you there, but like on a personal level, do you think it's it's like the, the mindset is important, or is it like that um, you need to take action, or what kind of characteristics? Yeah, are? yeah. So, so, so yeah. So I'm just I was just 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 getting there. To that, to that to that point because because I think that the, the number one thing you need is to have a specific angle or niche in what you're doing and that's a combination of you and your personality but also the specific people that you're trying to solve right so for example um, if you, you're gonna have a, diff- a hard time if you try and make a general language learning blog like mine most people who try to do what I do don't succeed because it's too general. I think the reason that I succeeded is because I kept going for a long time and I worked really hard at it. Most people don't have the don't have the time or patience that I that I had at that particular moment, you know. Um, uh, so, so for most people, it's really important to under, to, to choose a particular niche to inhabit. So that could be, for example, teaching Chinese people English, or it could be, uh, it could be showing people, uh, teaching people the, um, Spanish to travel around Argentina, or it could be, uh, it could be teaching people um, to master pronunciation in foreign languages. So it's a niche within a niche. You've got you've got to do that because that otherwise because that because that way people are able to to you're you're solving a specific problem for people and they're able to pay attention to you. So you know, for example, language learning or language instruction is the overall niche. And then the niche within that then could be a particular language like Spanish, and then the niche within that could be uh, people who have retired to Mexico, for example. So I'm teaching Spanish to American people who have retired in Mexico like that it, it it might sound like that is so specific that um like far too specific but actually that is precisely how you get traction because um because then every single person who fits that category is going to be drawn magnetically towards what you're doing All right so it's super important that you you decide to choose a very specific niche and then brand it with yourself you know, this is why I was why I started off by talking about me and Benny and that personal brand because if you can put a face to what you're doing, then you are immediately you're making it more personable and people like to do business and learn from real people, not from um, not from um, 
from faceless businesses, you know. So the way that you compete against a Rosetta, a Rosetta Stone or a Duolingo or a Babbel is by having your face on there. So that, you know, to take the example of um, of, uh, of Chinese people learning English, that's obviously a huge market. It's probably too too big of a niche. But again, if, if you are teaching English specifically to Chinese people and then you're using your face to introduce yourself on the brand, right there, that's something very concrete and tangible for any Chinese person learning English to um, to, to discover. So you, you, you're just, you're making it much easier for yourself to get started. So so that is really the main thing. It's, it's really getting very clear on the niche that you want to occupy and the people you're trying to help. And then once you have decided that, is that then you've got to build an audience based on that niche. So, you know, in the case of the, the Chinese people learning English, you're then going to want to go out and create con create consistent content uh, specifically for that kind of person and try not to stray. So, you know, you, you're making specific content for Chinese people who are learning, who are learning English and that's what you focus on. Um, and then you, what you, then you, by doing that, you're going to build an audience over time. And then once you've got that audience, then that allows you to to start to to create um, products and services that will help those specific kinds of people. Okay, so you're almost at the end of this interview, Oli. And I have one more question: What are like some of the major mind shifts in your mindset that you've made when building this business? I, I, it's difficult for me to identify any one thing because it's been a very kind of continual process. I, I think that as you know, as I've gone on, I've I've had to learn very intentionally about the business world, you know, because um, there are, you know, a blog is not a business, as we as we said earlier, a blog is just is 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 a, is a blog. There's no there's no reason that um, that a business should exist within a blog. I mean, it can, but you've got to very intentionally set out to do that. And I think um, I think one of the real advantages we've got as as langpreneurs, um, if you like, is that we've got the kind of unknown quantity. We've got the 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 je ne sais quoi. You know, we've got the the um, the particular talent or expertise in the language field which means we've got an edge over other people who don't have that right that is usually the easiest thing for us but there is so much you can learn from existing business practices you know things like the concept of an upsell for example it's it's something that you know it's something that someone when they're first getting started in their business is kind of scared of doing because an upsell is and just to be clear what that is it's like after you've bought something immediately offering the person the customer something else when you first get into this stuff that comes across as very aggressive and you think things like oh I'm not, I'm not really comfortable with an upsell but then if you can uh, add 50% more revenue to your to your ink to your bottom line by implementing upsells you know you, you have to like it's up to you whether you do it but at least you can make an informed decision, right? You, you you might end up making the decision, okay, I'm against upsells on principle, so I'm not going to do it. Uh, or 
on the other hand, you might decide, you know what, I quite fancy adding an extra 50% to my bottom line, so I'm going to put an upsell in there. But the only reason you know about that in the first place is because you've studied marketing and you understand that an upsell is is, is one of the most potent, powerful things you can have in, in, in the sales process. And there are so many other things like that, you know, like the idea of delegating, um, of having help to increase your capacity of... Um, of automated marketing communication and follow-up, of team building, of um, of having a back-end with higher ticket, more expensive products. The idea of focusing um, more on existing customers than on acquiring new customers. All these, all these things. These are all business fundamentals, which 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 radically transform your your business once you once you allow yourself to start to think in those terms. You know, and it's. You know, when we first get started, we're not natural business people. I don't think. I think we kind of we make content about languages. That's what we love. Uh, and so, I, I think the major shift I've gone through is actually being comfortable in learning to think in terms of a business rather than actually in terms of a blog. Because when you, as soon as you do that, that's when you really have the the, the potential to to scale into something that really is quite significant. Okay. So one one more tip for. For all langpreneurs listening to this podcast, what's like the number one tip that you would give? Is it that they should start or that they should learn more about? Is it about learning? Is it about buying courses, connecting to people? Or what would be the most powerful thing? What would you do if you had to go six years back? Yeah, I mean, the number one thing is you've got to you've got to put your education first because things are going to change in the world of online business. Um, you need to grow and develop, and the only way that you can learn these things, and the only way that you can, um, you know, set like f- the only way that you can allow success to happen is if you're learning about stuff out there. So, if I were to go back to the beginning, I would invest even more heavily in training and learning right from the start, because th- there's there's no need to discover this stuff by yourself over a period of years when you can get that knowledge and that training right now. So that the one constant that is going to really guarantee you uh, guarantee you progress um, and success, I think, is to invest as heavily as possible in, in, in your education. And that means, um, you know, consuming as much content as you can on online business. But, I mean, I personally, for me, I find investing in, 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 in coaching and mentoring and paid products to be extremely valuable because once you've put money on the line you then follow through and take action. So, you know, I would, yeah, for me, that's the single most important thing because with that mindset, you can, there's nothing that you can't, you can't achieve. So, Langpreneurs, did you hear that the most important thing, keep learning as a beginner, but also for those who are more advanced. And I think we've come to, um, to an end of this interview with Oli Richards here. Um, Oli, yeah, thank you very much for this interview. Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, IWillTeachYourLanguage.com is my website, and that's the best place to go. Um, you know, one of the things I would probably recommend you do if you want to learn more about what I'm doing is um, just go to my website, have a look around, and sign up to my mailing list. Uh, and then just you can look at the emails that you get sent uh, because that will show you as clearly as anything sort of how we go about doing things. And um, uh, Obviously, don't don't copy what I'm doing. Uh, not not because um, I'm worried about the competition, but because you know, you've got to develop your part of doing this is to develop your own you know your your own voice and your own style. But in the spirit of kind of learning from people who have who have 
been through this path before you you know um i, I think it's uh it, it's super valuable to kind of watch what other people are doing so i'd recommend people do that if you'd like to get in touch with me you can uh, instagram is a pretty good way to do that i check my dms on instagram and you can find me at i will teach you a language uh, i also have a podcast about language learning which is the i will teach you a language podcast and um and uh, yeah Oli, thank you very much for this interview and um, well, talk to you soon, I guess. Yeah, thanks again. It was great fun. Want to learn how you can grow your language business or maybe meet us at one of our upcoming events? Then go to our website, langpreneur.com. Thanks for listening and see you in the next episode.